Alright, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, my fellow trash talkers, whatever time you're tuning in, I am glad to have you on board once again. You are listening to Trash Talk with D Bork, and I'm your host, Dave Bork. It is Wednesday, the 13th of December, 2023, and this is episode 9 of our NFL pod, and we are going to run through some week 14 NFL football today, and there are some absolute belters over the weekend. There really were, and uh, I think everyone's favorite quarterback right now, Mr. Tommy DeVito, my favorite Gabagool himself. <laughs> what a win. What a win he got for, for the New York Giants against the Green Bay Packers. There is no doubt that he's going to feature in in the best of the best for this week. We're also going to take out some trash, and there is plenty to go through this week, including some reactions to a, I don't know, controversial end to the Chiefs-Bills game. For a lot of people that think it was controversial, they got it right. End of argument, but we'll talk about it a little more later. <laughs> we'll run through some question time, as always, at Trash Talk with D Bork. Slide into those DMs on Instagram, and I'm happy to continue answering any questions you've got for me, uh, and we'll also run through our best bets for week 15 coming up, and a little recap from week 14 as well, but we'll hit on that when we get to it a little bit later. So why don't we start with our best of the best from week 14, and how can you not start with Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys? Well, I didn't think we'd be saying this... Now, let's call it, I don't know, six weeks ago, for example, that Dak Prescott would be the MVP favorite right now. But here we go. Is absolutely killing it. <laughs> he is. It's ripped for 271, two touchdowns against the Philadelphia Eagles. And America's team is now the NFC East leader. Yes, they're tied with the Eagles for the division lead, but... They hold the tiebreaker at the moment, and it's going to be a, a huge finish to the season for both teams. But overall in this game, as well as Dak played, their defense was, once again, lights out. They didn't allow an offensive touchdown from a Philadelphia Eagles team who was just loaded with talent. Obviously, Jalen Hurts, DeAndre Swift, A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith. Can't be scoring touchdowns when you fumble the ball three times, though. 33-13 <laughs> in this one at Dallas. Dallas almost beat them last time out in Philly, too. So this shows that... This team is no joke this year. They they could do it. <laughs> they could. I know they got belted by San Fran earlier in the season, and let's be honest, San Fran still are the best team in, in football right now, but Dallas may very well be second. And they've got a big, big stretch coming up. And if their defense can continue to force fumbles or turnovers from their opposition team, you know... Jalen had a fumble early, which really set the tone, I guess, or swung momentum to Dallas' side. And then A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith. This team is just a bunch of ball hawks. They really are. And on the offensive side of the side of the ball, you know, Dak's just finding everyone right now. C.D. Lamb, arguably one of the best receivers in the league. Brandon Cooks, they brought him in this year, man, who's been to just about every team in the NFL. He's starting to get going as well, and they've, they've got Tony Pollard going in that run game now too. So a super impressive win at Dallas. I think a lot of people thought they were just flat-track bullies and they just beat up on teams who they should beat. But they showed on on Sunday Night Football that they, they mean business. They really do. And if you look at their run, though, now in terms of two teams that are competing for the NFC East title... Dallas travel to Buffalo this week in what is going to be a huge, huge contest. Then they travel to Miami, and that is a 
much more probably winnable game now after what Miami dished up on uh, yesterday against the Tennessee Titans and probably all comes down to Tyreek Hill's health there. Then they play Detroit, another team who's really fighting for, well, I guess they're still fighting for a, a top two spot in the NFC as well, but that's at home. And then they finish at Washington. So you look at that and let's say they drop this one to Buffalo this week. They still should go 3-1 and one to finish the season. Whereas Philadelphia, they're at Seattle, play the Giants twice in three weeks, and then play Arizona. I'm guessing you would have thought before yesterday that Philly cakewalk the Giants, but Tommy DeVito, <laughs> he has all kinds of momentum, and the city of New York is buzzing right now. So maybe, let's call it a split there. And I actually think... The Seattle Seahawks are every chance of actually knocking off Philadelphia on our primetime game this week. So maybe Dallas win this division. <laughs> Who would have thought that? But let's say both teams get three and one anyway, and Dallas still end up winning that division. So Philadelphia are going to be on the road in the in the first week of the playoffs, and I don't think they would have imagined that. Absolutely not, but it's going to be a fascinating end to the season for both of those two teams. But yeah, Dak and the Cowboys, they are they are going right now in what's arguably going to be the game of the week against Buffalo in the late slate on Sunday. Speaking of New York, no, we're not going to talk about Tommy DeVito just yet. Zach Wilson, yes, the Zach Wilson who's been in the trash a lot this season. I've got to put my man in the best of the best because this is super impressive for what he just did against the Texans, a team who is is fighting for their own playoff lives at the moment. It was nil all at halftime in this game. And Zach ends up going 27-36 to 36 for 301 yards, two touchdowns in a 30-6 to 6 win against the Houston Texans. Granted, CJ Stroud, late concussion in that one, but take nothing away from Zach Wilson in, in this game. Because all the talk would have been how good CJ's been all year and really probably just discredited Zach straight away. And I'll be honest, I was probably one of those guys. But he was he was phenomenal. He really was. It's the best he's looked all year in some pretty tough conditions too. He had Garrett Wilson going, had 108 yards on nine receptions. He also had Brees Hall very, very good in the receiving game too, 86 on eight receptions. And now they have a massive game this week at the Miami Dolphins. They're, I mean, you've, you've still got to give them a hope, right? They're, they're two games back in the, in the wildcard race, and there's always plenty of talk about Aaron Rodgers potentially coming back to play. Well, if the Jets can win this game in Miami, like if Tyreek Hill doesn't play, we saw how bad Tua looked without him. That whole offense just didn't look good without Tyreek Hill. So I would not put a line through the Jets this week at all. And especially if they're going to play with that kind of confidence heading into Miami where, you know, let's be real, most people are probably just ticking Miami as a W straight away. That's perfect for the Jets. It's perfect because they, I think a lot of people would have thought the same thing against Houston for them. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see if Zach can do it two weeks in a row, but I'll be... I'll be cheering the guy on to do it. Everyone loves an upset, right? <laughs> and for a guy who's just been through a lot this year, yes, he's been in our trash a lot. There was plenty of talk earlier in the week about him coming out saying that he, you know, I don't want to play anymore when 
when they dropped Boyle down, which was false. Aaron Rodgers came heavily out to bat for him, and he comes out with a performance like that. He has earned the right to be in the best of the best for week 14. Big congrats, Zach Wilson. Back it up, though, this week at Miami, please. Let's stick to New York. Tommy. Tommy DeVito. The fan. <laughs> if this isn't one of the best stories in sport this year, I don't, I don't know what is. His family and agent have truly brought... They've bought into you know, the hype and the nostalgia of being Italian. The cutlets were, were definitely going to be firing up and whatnot after this game. He was phenomenal in his Monday Night Football debut. I get it. We were on the Green Bay Packers in one of our best bets, but you couldn't help but smile when this guy was just balling out, especially late in this game. He went 17-21 to 21 for 158 and one touchdown, but what was more impressive was the fact that he ran for 71 rushing yards in a 24-22 to 22 victory against the Green Bay Packers, and they won late. When you're a young rookie quarterback, there's some pretty low expectations of you, especially a guy like him. And with how well Green Bay were paying, playing, sorry, they should have been a sure thing to go into New York and win that game. But they've shown time and time again that they can't stop the rush. And Saquon cut him up late. You know, he fumbled the ball late and whatnot. But DeVito just chopped him up as well. Saquon ran for 80-odd, DeVito runs for, you know, 70. And now, similar to the Jets situation, they're only two back in the wild card race. They get a massive game this week at New Orleans, then go to Philadelphia, as we mentioned before, then play the Rams at home in Philly. If you can... If you can somehow go 3-1 and one there... <laughs> I don't want to get too many Giants fans too excited, but if you can go 3-1, and one, then at least you give yourself a chance at making the playoffs. And, you know, at the end of the day, you just got to hold out hope because Tommy DeVito is giving them every chance. Should be half-price Benini's next home game against the Rams. <laughs> Let's stick to our rookie quarterback trend and go with the Mayo man himself, Will Levis. Again, we bet against this team doing that to my own team kind of hurts my soul but the fact that we won the game on the back of this kid this was a super super impressive game from Will Levis 23-38 through for 320 plus and one touchdown and a huge 28-27 upset victory at the Miami Dolphins whether or not they took the foot off the gas and just thought they were going to win well unlucky because there was a stat that went out there yesterday that teams up by 14 with under 3 minutes to go. Owen's oh, 760-odd. <laughs> so, yeah, thanks for that one. Will Levis didn't care about that stat. <laughs> he threw, he found DeAndre Hopkins for 124 on 7 receptions. He had Tajay Spears and Chigi Okonkwo going late in this one. Super, super impressive. Did I think they scored too early with Derek Henry late? Yeah, in a way, because he gave Tua a chance, but... Tua looked lost all day yesterday. He really did. And if it wasn't for Raheem Mostert and Devon Archain, pretty much gashing Tennessee at every opportunity without Big Jeff, then Miami really weren't that good. I mean, Tennessee fumbled a punt to get Miami ahead by 14. Like, they were, they were just bad yesterday. I don't really know what the deal was with McDaniel 
taking out Archane a lot in the running game. Like he he had seven rushing attempts for forty seven, and they just kept on going back to most it. Like it was it was really 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 weird game plan from them. But that take nothing away from Tennessee because that's just such an enormous win. And I question the fact that they were putting the Titans on primetime football, but maybe it's what they needed. And I guess similar to teams that we've mentioned, they're also only two games back in the playoff race. Their run home isn't actually that bad. And again, similar situation. If other teams lose ahead of them, you've just got to you look after your own destiny. They play the Houston Texans this week, depending what happens with CJ Stroud. If Stroud is out, you would think the Titans heavily favoured in that one. Then play at home against the Seahawks on Christmas Day here. That is a winnable game looking and hearing about Geno Smith, he's potentially out for the next couple of weeks with a with a groin injury, so that's winnable. Then you're playing at Houston. You know, by this point in time, you'd know if you can put a line through yourselves in the playoffs or not. And then at the same time, Houston are going to be playing for their playoff lives too, given that the Jags probably should be winning the division at this point. And then obviously finish with Jacksonville. So it's a stretch that you can go 3-1, and one, but at the end of the day... Will has to back this up this week against the Houston Texans. You've, you've got to do that. We've seen what you can do now. Do it every week. Give us a chance, Will. <laughs> a great win, nonetheless. I think it's time to take out some... Oh, Actually, we'll hold off on the garbage man just for a minute. Honorable mention to Joe Flacco, who is now looking like young Joe Flacco balling out at Baltimore. He's giving the Cleveland Browns every possible chance to make the playoffs, which they should do. Don't know what the deal is about dropping him back to the practice squad, but I believe that is just a tactical thing from them. He will continue to play at quarterback, you'd think, going forward. And he's just distributing the ball extremely well to his weapons in that team. And if their defense continues to play lights out, they're probably not a team that I'd want to be playing with a with a veteran like Flacco at quarterback in, in the playoffs. He's not going to be, you know, nervous about going into any kind of situation. The guy's been there and done that, so... They are a team to watch in Cleveland for sure. For sure. All right, now it's time to take out some trash. The garbage man has arrived. All right, we got a pretty big pile of trash this week, so we're going to start with the Philadelphia Eagles and talk about their ball security. As we mentioned earlier, three fumbles against the Dallas Cowboys. You can't, you simply can't do that. And three of the fumbles to three of their best players. Jalen Hurts has turned the ball over a lot this year, and he got that fumble-a-thon going in Dallas early in the game because, you know, Philly score there in one of their first drives. You know, the game's probably just a shootout back and forth, back and forth. But, you know, he... They've just been a different, different team this year. And, and you watched them early on, on the big winning streak that they had, and they, they didn't really look like they were an undefeated team. They were kind of just winning games late, just holding on. They didn't have that same explosive offense that they had last year. And, I don't know, they're just moving the ball a lot slower this year, shorter routes to the likes of, of Smith and A.J. Brown and, you know, just trying to, I guess, control the clock with Swift. You've you've got an explosive, explosive offensive football team, and it showed a lot this year that offense is going to be winning you a Super Bowl at the end of the day. They just will. And you have the offense to do it, but you've simply got to look after the ball. 
And now you put put yourself in a position that you're going to be probably playing on the road in the first week of the playoffs, and I don't think anyone would have seen that coming with, this, with the way that they started to the season. So it's going to be a huge, huge last month for the Philadelphia Eagles, and, and it starts this week in Seattle because that is one of the loudest environments in football, and if you can't control the football there, that 12th man is going to get on you. They will. So I think they've got to get over their, the laziness that they've had to start games and look after the ball simple as that simple as that next we'll go to to detroit lions and jared goff thank goodness this is their last outdoor game for the rest of the season heading into the playoffs because when the lions are playing outdoors jared goff looks like a completely completely different quarterback he went 20 35 161 two picks and four sacks at chicago I understand it was a division game and the Bears have given the Lions problems for the last couple of seasons at least with Justin Fields, you know, as we talked about uh, before, like mobile quarterbacks continue to give the Lions problems. But at the end of the day, the offensive issues for the Lions outside of a dome, extremely, extremely loud and Jared Goff needs to get this together. Luckily for them, they play the Denver Broncos at home this week. It's going to be a tough battle the way that Denver is now playing, but you feel as if the Lions are going to be too good or it means a lot more to them anyway. Because to finish the season, the following week they go to Minnesota. The Yeah, who knows with that team after what we just watched this week. Then they travel to Dallas, extremely tough game. And as we've seen, Dallas haven't lost at home this year and they don't look like it anytime soon. And then finish against the Minnesota Vikings at home against a team that will probably be vying for a playoff spot. And if Justin Jefferson's back, the way that Detroit has defended anyone of late, JJ could go for 150 if he's healthy. So, yeah, Jared Goss really got to wake up and get things going for a team who, I mean, you could laugh all you want, had Super Bowl aspirations this year, the way they were, the way they were playing. And, and as of the last probably month, they've completely dropped off. So, yeah, it's going to be a big, I think, big few weeks for the Detroit Lions, because they could definitely wrap up their division title, and probably if they fall out of the race for you know a top-two seed, then they may very well rest against the Vikings in that last game. But time's going to tell. They need to beat the Broncos this week. That's you know one week at a time, I guess, for Jared and the Lions. I want to finish this one last, so let's let's go let's go to Pittsburgh, Minnesota. That game was a disgrace. It was a disgrace to football. It shouldn't have been televised. The game was played inside a dome. Regardless of how good that Minnesota Vikings defense is, their offense could not move the ball against a pretty poor Las Vegas Raiders defense. The match finished 3-0. It, it almost actually went into overtime at nil all. Yeah, the fun's over for, for Josh Dobbs and, and the crew. It was, a, it was a good ride that we had. But, yeah, that was... That was disastrous, and I think the Vikings are obviously happy that they won 3-0. At least you find a, you find a way to win bad games, you, you keep moving, and you're still a chance to make the playoffs. But that, yeah, that game should be thrown in the trash for the rest of our lives and never to be seen again. <laughs> Let's finish with the biggest talking point of the lot this week. The Kansas City reaction to... Costing them the game, I guess if you want to call it that. Against the Buffalo Bills with Mr. Kadarius Tony lining up five metres offside. Patrick Mahomes is kidding himself. He really is. He's one of the most loved quarterbacks in the league and respected. Like He's, he's such a joy to watch. 
But his reaction at the end of that game to the officials finally getting a call right, and I've said it in the past many, many times on multiple platforms that the NFL is probably the worst officiated sport in the world. It really is. But you can't react like that when they actually get a call right. And after the game, he's going up to Josh Allen, shaking his hand, saying, oh, it's a travesty. They, They called that. You can't call that. Yes, you can, Patrick. It's illegal. He was two metres at the very least offside. What are we talking about here, mate? Like, he lined up in front of the centre. He may as well have been in the Buffalo Bills defensive line. (laughs) Come on. And then for him to come into the press conference after he'd watched it or seen photos of it at the very least and say, you know, again, they never should have been allowed to do that. You know, he had no bearing on the play. Who scored the touchdown, Patrick? (laughs) Kadarius Toney scored the touchdown. Travis Kelsey passed it back to him to score. So he had a head start on them. What are you talking about, mate? It's actually ridiculous. And then there was a clip that went around today saying that Kadarius Tony lined up three different times offside in that match and didn't get it called. Well, guess what? He had no impact on any of those plays. And also, it's human error. It is. Because you're not going to spot it every time. But if you spot it and that player scores a touchdown that wins you the game when he's offside to begin with, you're going to call it. I can't even believe this is an argument going around. It's actually ridiculous. It is. It's like, I don't know, Lionel Messi's two metres offside, scores a bicycle kick or whatnot to win a World Cup match, and we're just going to allow it because it was a great play. No, we're not. It's going to be called offside. Get over it. You weren't crying when you got that freaking holding call in the Super Bowl to win you a Super Bowl, were you, Patrick? No, you were the one waving your arms up and down calling for a flag because guess what there's 800 holds a game as well and they also don't get called seriously grow up just because your team is not playing good footy this year does not give you the right to react like that and especially after a game going up to congratulate your opponent you just got outplayed you did unlucky seriously get on with it you're still going to freaking win the division and make the playoffs but my goodness That was awful. Anyway, that is our trash done for this week. I'm over Chiefs fans arguing about it. (laughs) Let's let's go to our question time for this week. As always, at Trash Talk with D Bork, slide into those DMs, TikTok, Instagram, I gotcha. We have a new question attendant this week at Winston. Loves his NFL, this bloke. Give me your early mock of quarterbacks in the first round. How many and who's taking them? All right. Well, we all know that Caleb Williams is going first overall. It's a no-brainer. It is. Then you've got Drake May at second to the New England Patriots. You've, You've got to think he goes second anyway. The Pats cannot go on with Mac Jones again. They really can't. And once Caleb is off the board to the Bears, you've got to think that they obviously move on from Justin Fields. Then that's when the draft gets a little bit interesting. It does. And there's still a lot of movement to go around the board and whatnot. But you'd think if Vegas around that sixth pick, I think that's when the next quarterback should go off the board, then 
Jaden Daniels would be my pick for them or the Giants, depending if the Giants are thereabouts. Tommy DeVito's moving him out of that range at the moment. <laughs> he is. But if it's the Giants or Vegas, both teams need a quarterback. I know the Giants just paid Danny Dimes, but sometimes you just got to cut your losses and be done with it. Similar to Vegas, you've gone after Jimmy Garoppolo. That's not happening anymore. You've got to get your quarterback of the future. Jaden Daniels is that guy. You've got weapons on that team with the likes of Devontae Adams, Jacoby Myers, you know, Josh Jacobs in the backfield. If you had a guy that's just about to win the Heisman available, you select him. You do. 100%. After that, the fourth best is probably J.J. McCarthy and... Similar kind of situation with Vegas or the Giants. I think either or has to has to take him if it's Vegas. I reckon they can wait, but the Giants seem like they're a guy that would want to take McCarthy there. He's a good game manager too, and there's every chance he could also go to Atlanta at 11. They have a mess at quarterback right now with Desmond Ritter. And I feel like McCarthy is that perfect game manager for that team who loves to run the football but also needs a a guy who can distribute the ball at an effective rate to a team who also has plenty of weapons in Drake London and Cole Pitts. So those are my top four in order, obviously just depending on where teams land. If we're talking like a later first-round pick, I still think this will all depend what happens with the Washington-Texas matchup because I think whoever has a better game out of Penix and Quinn Ewers goes here to a team like Minnesota. I don't think you can pay Kirk Cousins the max after him coming off an injury, so I'd be looking at either of those two guys to go to mini, depending on the result of that game. Bo Nix would be next in line out of those three. I think he's he'd be a chance to, to also potentially sneak in Minnesota, but a chance to be an early second-round pick if the likes of Vegas or the Giants don't get their guy that they're after in the first round. If they go elsewhere, then I think Bonix is a chance or a sneaky to be that early second round pick there. And that is no Oregon bias whatsoever. <laughs> it's not. But thank you for your question, Mr. Winston. Let's go to at Paul underscore Assad. How are the Panthers how much do the Panthers regret drafting Bryce Young over Caesar Stroud given we've seen no improvement in fourteen weeks? Yeah, we really haven't. Bryce Young's been awful and there was plenty of trap plenty of chat pre draft about them taking C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud got into a really short price to be the first overall pick, and then for whatever reason, overnight or day of the draft, Bryce Young just went skyrocketing up the board, and it's shown having a smaller quarterback just has not been the answer to a lot of teams in the NFL, and he looks like a kid out there. It's hard to put a line through him in his first season, given he's a rookie, and now... I think the, the the bigger issue is how much they gave up to get him. They don't have their first-round pick next year. That just lands in the lap of the Bears to, to just draft Caleb Williams at, at one overall. That's the bigger issue. If you're going to obviously keep Bryce around, which they're going to next year, you've got to help him out, give him some, give him some weapons. Because right now, Adam Thielen is the only guy you've got, and he doesn't have too much longer in the NFL himself. And Jonathan Mingo is probably the, probably the next best. And you look at that, that's not enough. Their running game is pretty average with Chuba Hubbard and Miles Sanders. I think they, they thought they were getting more out of Sanders, but they haven't. So I don't want to put a line through the kid just yet, but it's really not looking good. They should have went CJ Stroud. That's just the, 
It's the option. We saw enough out of Stroud as well in college. Like he lit up that Georgia defense in the in the national semifinal. He did. So if that wasn't enough to show that he was capable of playing the the way he is playing in the NFL this year, then yeah, it's clear that Carolina had an absolute shocker. It is. Thank you, Paulie. Let's go to our final question for the week. At Kate Winnie, big NFL fan this year, Winnie, aren't you? Can the Vikings get into the playoffs with their current QB rotation? Well, it is a genuine quarterback carousel right now for the Minnesota Vikings, who are 7-6, and six, and as we mentioned before, won probably the worst game of the NFL season last week against the Las Vegas Raiders 3-0. The Pastronaut experiment is done now. He had three really good weeks, obviously, to start for the Vikings. Now he's had probably three shockers in a row, and if you can't move the ball against probably one of the worst passing defenses in the league, then, yeah, you've got to, you've got to take a seat. So they're now starting with Mr. Mullins, who's been there and done that around the traps. He had a mini, mini run all the way back in San Fran. So their run going into the finals, they play at Cincy this week, and they're... They're a chance to knock off Cincy, you know, as good as Cincy have been probably the last couple of weeks of Browning. Now I think teams have enough film on him to potentially work him out, and Brian Flores has got his defense going in many. So as long as Justin Fields is healthy, they have every chance of potentially knocking off the Bengals this week. Then they play the Detroit Lions and Green Bay Packers at home and then finish at Detroit. They're currently one game up in sixth position right now. I think... At the very least, that's a two and two finish for the line for the Vikings. Sorry, so you're looking at you know nine and eight, and more often than not, that should be good enough to get you into the playoffs. Just obviously depends on what's happening below you, but I think their defense alone just gets them there. It really does. Mullins just needs to be serviceable. Justin Jefferson has to be healthy at the end of the day, and if you've got him healthy with with two weeks to go in the season, then I mean you've you've got what you're after in Minnesota. You really do. All right, that is question time done for this week. Appreciate your question there, Kate, and everyone else that keeps sending those through. Why don't we hit on our best bets coming up for this week's NFL action? All right, it's time, isn't it, Jerry? Let's do it. So, last week we had... The Miami Dolphins minus 13 and a half. Note to self, never bet against your team again. We had the over in that contest, which cashed, and then had the Green Bay Packers, who laid an absolute egg against my boy Tommy DeVito. So, let's be better this week. On our reels, we went 2-0 on Sunday night. Sunday night player prop was very, very nice. In prime time, we unfortunately went 0-3, so it takes our reels to 7-14 and with our best bets now at 10-11. and We are pretty unlucky on... The primetime game yesterday with obviously Tyreek Hill going down injured and Devon Archain just being discredited with his rushing ability and obviously Jordan Love and the other one not throwing for two plus. So let's see what we got this week for week 15. Let's go with the Detroit Lions minus four and a half against the Denver Broncos at home. It's must win for Detroit. They've got to show up. Their crowd needs to get going. I know Denver are playing a lot better of late, but... They didn't look amazing against the Chargers. I know they won pretty comfortably, but they still looked semi-average on the offensive side of the ball. I think there's going to be points in this contest, but I feel like Detroit is going to have more in them, and the match means a whole lot more to this team who desperately needs a win. They desperately need a win. 
and I think I, I think they should be good enough to win by at the very least a touchdown or double digits in that contest. So we'll go with the minus four and a half there for Detroit. Then we're going to finish with the Los Angeles Rams and Washington Commanders over 49 points. The Rams are playing much better footy. They were very unlucky against the Baltimore Ravens. I think they're going to have too much for the Commanders and should put up at least 35 or so in that contest. And Washington just continue to throw the ball. They're, they're going to be down enough, so Sammy Howe is going to have to light him up and realise he's got Terry McLaurin on the field with him to, to get it to him. So we'll take the over 49 there. We'll also have a... Moneyline parlay this week as well with the Green Bay Packers into the Atlanta Falcons. You can get plus 149 or $2.49 about that one. So those are our three best bets for this week. As always, keep an eye out on socials, Instagram and TikTok at Trash Talk with D Bork for more picks, especially obviously on Sundays for our player props and primetime matches as well. Hit the subscribe button on Apple and Spotify. Keep the feedback coming. Keep the questions coming through for every episode every week. I'm loving every minute of it, and I'm loving all the engagement that keeps coming with us. It's going to be a cracking last month of NFL football. Fantasy football quarterfinals starting for some this week. Very excited about that too, and nervous. But... This has been Trash Talk with D-Bork. I hope you all have an amazing weekend. I'll speak to you all next week. I am out.